Hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning in. This is your host Cici Wang, and you're listening to my interview podcast, where I chat with people from all walks of life to hear their stories and to share insights we can all learn from. On today's episode, I have with me my good friend Yusser Albarani. Yusser bravely left her comfortable life in Toronto four years ago to move all the way to Yellowknife, the capital city of Canada's Northwest Territories. Like many people, she moved to Yellowknife for a job, but after getting over the initial shock of just how remote the place is, she now loves Yellowknife. Now, I've always been curious about what life in Northern Canada is like, given its remoteness and, of course, the cold. Non-Canadians like to picture Canada being a land of ice and snow, but that's only true past a certain latitude. The famous Northern Lights and Snow Festival of Yellowknife draw more than a hundred thousand tourists each year from all over the world before the pandemic. I want to hear all about that and what life is like in the city year-round. Yusser is here today to tell us all about it. Welcome, Yusser. Hi, CC. Thank you. I know that you moved to Yellowknife back in 2018. Uh, what was the job opportunity that made you sort of、uh, decide to uproot your life in Toronto?、Um, so currently, this is my current job too,、uh, and this is the job that I moved、uh, to the north to the north for.、Um, I work for Public Service Alliance of Canada North、uh, as regional political communications officer, and this is why really why I moved to the north. <laughs> In a nutshell, it's not it's not the most exciting story. I moved for a job. <laughs> Was there something about Yellowknife that drew you to it? Yeah, here what what I mean by a not so exciting story. The beginning was just like a typical maybe cliche. You find a job that you really like,、mm-hmm. uh, and then I applied、uh, for the job. I wanted to work for PSAC.、Um, Because that's something that my passion, like as a communications professional, I wanted to work for、uh, issues that I believe in, or advocating for issues that and creating change. And I found that PSAC、um, is is an organize. It's a union, so technically an organization. Let's say, yeah,、uh, for like in the sake for the sake of the conversation, is an organization that will give me an opportunity to do or to do what I really want to do. Um, so it didn't really matter whether the job was in Yellowknife or if it was in Toronto <laughs> or if it was in Calgary. You were gonna go regardless. <laughs> it of was where the it job. <laughs> yeah, it was the job. So I didn't really know much about Yellowknife.、Um, I when I applied, when I applied, I actually Googled. Yeah.、Uh, Yellowknife. I knew. Did you know where it was on the Yellowknife... map? <laughs> oh yes,、okay. yes. That that part, yes. <laughs> But I didn't really know what to expect.、Um, I I googled Yellowknife, and I have to really admit something that、um, online representation is just really not really good because、um, there isn't much effort being done into really having the true picture of Yellowknife. Like I couldn't really see much when I was trying to find out、um, what to do in the city and so on. But I just like took the chance. And traveled、mm-hmm. uh, because it was a good opportunity. That's、uh, to really, like you know, you. for my own career. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, I I totally understand. You were young and you were you know adventurous. I guess you wanted to go where your passion was, so you went there. So by the time you got there, like by the time you landed in Yellowknife, 
were you sort of in shock at how cold that place was? <laughs> uh, not how cold. Yeah, well, it was in April, was it? 2018, right? Yeah, it was yeah. in April 2018, and it was still cold. The lake was still frozen, so that was. But that was not really the only shocking thing. What was uh, the others? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I. I actually uh, moved from a very busy Toronto neighborhood, if you know, um, North York between... I know. On Young Street <laughs> between... <laughs> the, the, those blocks between Finch and Shepherd, the busy, they busy are blocks. the busiest. Yeah. <laughs> very, very busy. And then here, there is nothing, like really, like I got, I remember arriving at around 6 p.m. maybe, and there were not really many people. And the and I rented a place at Air, Airbnb a place that was just across from the lake, um, and well, not really knowing that this is more this this was a tourist touristic place, but it was not really the season for tourists, mm-hmm. so there wasn't much traffic, and it was across from Great Slave Lake, the frozen, <laughs> mm-hmm. the frozen lake, mm-hmm. and across from a restaurant. Um, um, Bollocks Bistro, a very, I would say, traditional northern um, fish uh, restaurant. Well, they serve other traditional food too, but mainly fish. Okay. And so that was my first meal, my first dinner. Uh, but still, I was surprised that there was really like, well, nothing to do. But anyways, I was tired that that day. Mm-hmm. Um. My uh, my dad uh, traveled with me to Yellowknife because he wanted to help me move, but also he wanted to see for himself <laughs> <laughs> what Yellowknife is all about. <laughs> I mean, he did not really say anything. He was like, "Oh, this is a good place. Oh, the the fish <laughs> tastes good." We ordered uh, a trout, and it was really nice to have fresh fish uh-huh. from the lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was good. But next day. Um, I, okay, I did the Google search, of course, and I'm like, where is, where, where do, what do we do now? It's a Saturday. So we walked all the way to downtown and, um, I Googled if there was a mall and uh, something showed up as a mall. I think it's called Center Square Mall or Mm -hmm. something. Now I should actually like it's a shame that I even don't know <laughs> it's I don't know the name of the mall. <laughs> it's a stranded mall with really nothing in it. Uh, then then um, people who have spent longer time in Yellowknife told me that the mall was was mall at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, still a hotel that's attached to the mall, but it's not anymore um, a place where people actually go go to. Like there is really nothing where except for Tim Hortons maybe mm. and it's more like a small kiosk or a booth of Tim Hortons so it's oh. not even actual Tim Hortons so i i thought that well if this is how the mall is then really <laughs> maybe i should go back <laughs> maybe i should go back <laughs> well i did not <laughs> yeah that that's um, yeah that's what i wanted to ask you so you know you you must have seen other parts of the the city that made you want to stay of course uh i called a real estate agent uh, because i was trying to find a place to stay like you know to rent long term so the real estate agent helped me find a very nice um 
that one bedroom condominium that's also that really had a very nice view mm -hmm. uh, like viewing the lake um and then this person also was kind enough to show us around the city <laughs> uh at like long time yellow knifer he takes pride yeah uh in his town and then we um he drove he was like do you want to check out the ice road so he took us on the ice road wow. and that was a sunday um and then i just like oh my god so there is a lot to do mm -hmm. uh, in Yellowknife, and it is just like any other i guess this is just like any other city if you really want to do something if you don't want it to be boring then you it won't be boring um if they like i mean if there is a will i know right now i love Yellowknife, and there are people who actually don't like it uh but you can just there are people who don't like toronto too mm. uh and that's fine <laughs> it depends it depends yeah <laughs> uh but it is not as it's not as remote it's not remote there are well ignore that shopping center uh but there are so many places to eat to dine out um for for a small population i guess there is even a diversity of cuisines um also uh we we do get stuff like the independent grocers like there are two of them shoppers drug mart is there so it's not remote like all of the essential mm -hmm. items that someone might need mm -hmm. they'll be there so it's pretty convenient despite it being like a oh, very yes. remote region there's like is there costcos and mcdonald's in yellowknife uh there is there is something that's that's like costco i don't go to cost i don't go to it because i'm just one person yeah like i don't really need to <laughs> get stuff <laughs> i don't really In need bulk. to stock up yeah. at home yeah yeah but then the, there is there is mcdonald's yeah uh last um was it april or may um starbucks opened <laughs> oh you love starbucks so. i know that <laughs> i do <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, whatever someone might need, like, I don't really have a hard time finding, mm. um, that's good. Yeah. So stuff that I need. Yeah. So what's, what's, where do you live? Do you live in downtown Yellowknife or do you live a little bit far out? So, uh, there is nothing as far out in Yellowknife because, uh, you could drive, <laughs> you could drive, <laughs> you could actually drive Yellowknife in 14 minutes. Are, are you serious? <laughs> I mean, that's maybe not entire Yellowknife, of course. Uh -huh. You will spend more time if you're driving in every single neighborhood, but I could just like go like airport to my place is like 10 minutes drive. Oh my goodness. Uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I don't, I don't live in the downtown area. Um, I personally prefer not, like, even when I was in Toronto, I didn't live in the downtown area. Uh, I, I like, I like to be close to downtown because that's what I, I work, although we are working from home right now. Yeah. Uh, however, it's, it's not downtown, but still, it's not really out. Um, we have, we have a neighborhood called Niven and that's close enough to the, um, well, it's Niven because it's on Niven Lake. Um, so we are surrounding, um, a very small lake, but also we are close enough to the, uh, to the, to the big lake, Great Slave Lake. Um, there's a trail that I could just like from, well, more, more like, you know, I have, I have an access to the trail, mm -hmm. although I don't really live in, in like, in actually mm -hmm. the, 
wilderness <laughs> but I still have access kind of access to the to the trail that would take me to the to the great slave lake uh, so I wanted to be closer to closer to nature but not too too close uh, so yeah because do you get so this is where I live do you do you get like bear sightings like where you live can you see wild uh, animals no no it's not that far no out. because there are there's so many of us here. Yeah. I, I live in more uh, like kind of, it's, well, it's not a building, but it's it's a condominium. Mm-hmm. And do you have so, like, is it like a like, cluster of like, um you know, buildings or houses where you live? Yes. It's like a residential area. Houses. Yes. So no, there are no, no bear sightings. I mean, there are the occasional bear sightings yeah. in other areas of but that's very occasional uh there's there are many foxes oh you do see them like on the streets uh, oh yeah that's very normal that's common in yellow knife because that's not common in toronto oh, <laughs> oh yeah no it's it's common like they <laughs> are, are they well actually benign or are they like what are foxes like really when you cross one i was in two other places before living in this place that i think this is the this is going to be not really permanent, like permanent for life, but permanent when I'm in Yellowknife. <laughs> uh, but in my, like the other apartment that I uh, stayed at, uh, I had like more like a fox. I thought that this was my fox friend <laughs> because that fox would just like, would be walking around whenever like I, um, I like, you know, go, go out in the balcony to just like have coffee or tea. So I thought that I had like a fox friend. That's so cute. Uh, I don't really see, <laughs> I don't see that friend anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about the landscape um, that you see once you get to Yellowknife. You talked about the Great Slave Lake. That's something that I do know from Googling Yellow Yellowknife. It's a very mm -hmm. prominent lake. Um, what other, you know, beautiful nature scenery can you see where you live? Uh, mostly lakes. Mm -hmm. And trees birch trees oh. uh so lots of lakes um there is water like everywhere as if it feels sometimes sometimes i feel like kilonite is almost like an island oh. uh, to that extent because like wherever i go like i see water uh so i would say this is really what what makes it very very distinctive so do yellow knifers do a lot of water activities uh when the lakes are not frozen like they go boating or fishing. Oh, yeah, when the lakes are not game, <laughs> when the when the lakes are not frozen. When when is it um, not frozen? If there is a kind of like strange noise, that's my dog, so just like ignore it. Okay. <laughs> uh so the lakes are not frozen in the summer. I would say I would say maybe June, June, July, August. By May the the water is like would be melting and like by June it's it's okay to maybe just like you know be on a boat or like do fishing wow uh but during winter um all of those lakes are frozen and so there is an ice road that connects communities um in the northwest territories some of the communities are uh fly-in uh communities so it's really good to have ice roads <laughs> wow so the lake is completely frozen in a specific portion of the lake and that's when that's where people can actually uh, commute from one community to another on like in in a car. Uh, the lakes are frozen. Okay. 
like completely completely okay however uh, <laughs> however it's for i can't remember if it's the city that determines like there is an actual ice road i would not really drive on any portion of the lake uh but there are ice roads in they are just they are roads that sounds so amazing i know for example <laughs> i haven't really <laughs> i haven't driven on other ice roads uh, but there is an ice road that connects Yellowknife to another community. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, the it's data. And if I drive on land, like uh, to the to the to that community, I would say it would take more than thirty minutes uh, to just get there. But on the ice road, it's just like I don't know five minutes because like it's just it's water that's connecting us. Yeah, but but how is there traction on the ice? Like your 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 car wheels. I I have no issue. Like you're just driving a regular car, it's totally fine driving on ice. I I'm not driving a regular car, but I see <laughs> regular cars <laughs> driving. Uh-huh. Uh, I I drive a truck, <laughs> and before that was a Ford wheel drive. I would just like put it on the slippery. Um, there's a slippery um, mode on the car, and it, it's it's okay. But I've actually I I see just regular cars driving to when it seems like they don't have any issue. That's nuts! Wow, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta try it if I ever go up there. Is Yellowknife snow covered year round still? And not year round because like there is summer. So summer the snow all melts away. Oh yes, yeah it does, and it gets really it it gets warm. More than 30 at some times. I personally, I don't really like it much uh, if I'm at home. If I'm like on the lake doing an activity, then that's fine. I had really, I didn't really appreciate it last summer because we were working from home and it was very hard keeping the my place cool. <laughs> oh, because you guys have air condition. No, no, that's, that's the other thing. I do have a portable air condition, mm-hmm. uh, but... Um, I don't have one that's actually installed in the like within the apartment or the condominium, so mm. I have to use a portable one. Mm. And it wouldn't really make sense to have any permanent um, installation put when it is just like one month off. Mm, yeah, no, that makes sense. Weather. Yeah. <laughs> so is summer and winter completely different in Yellowknife? Yeah, it feels like a very different city because imagine that. All of those lakes that are frozen, because the, like right now, I I can't see any water. So imagine all of the all of those lakes are suddenly just like lakes, regular lakes. <laughs> <laughs> if I have moved in the summer and then just like disappeared and then like came back in the winter, I wouldn't really recognize like Yellowknife. <laughs> <laughs> and how cold does it get in the winter time? Like the the coldest you've experienced. Um, the coldest I have experienced, um, I would say, was minus fifty with a wind chill. I'm not a fan of like being outside in like in the winter, except if I have to. But I, I mean, it's okay. Like five minutes is fine. Um, I wouldn't really spend too much outside. Um, I would say, like for my dog, it's just going to be uh, potty breaks, really, like no walk. But if it's like minus 30, then we would have a long walk and no issue. I mean, do most yellow knifers go out at all during the, you know, the, the cold months up there? Or do they do, do they prefer to stay indoors like you? Uh, it really depends if, the, if there is something like I, for example, there are, there is some 
there are there are some people who like outdoor activities including myself i actually like outdoor activities but not really when it's too 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 cold mm-hmm. uh but snowshoeing um cross country ski skiing is like very they are too common activities i know a few few people who actually run also they run even they do races <laughs> when it's cold so there are like yeah there are there are some brave souls that actually <laughs> who exist <laughs> the majority of the winter is it's probably around like the minus 20 minus 30 range right oh yeah though the minus 50s are like the coldest okay so that's good to know yeah <laughs> that's good to know <laughs> um I, I've always been curious, you know, what are the communities and what's the culture like up north? Is it sort of like a small town feel where everybody's friendly towards each other and everybody knows each other? Uh, well, yeah, you have a, I, you have to be friendly because, you know, you're going to see the same people. <laughs> so it is like you a can. small town. <laughs> I can't be. <laughs> yeah, I cannot be mean. <laughs> and yes, everybody knows everybody. Oh, True. man. How, how big is the city? Like the population? Uh, about twenty twenty thousand. But you bump into the same people pretty often. Yeah, I do. How many grocery stores do you have near where you live? There are three grocery stores and one Walmart and one Shoppers. So we have like five, like you know, lots of stores for twenty thousand people. But we still bump into each other. Okay. <laughs> Got gotta be yeah. nice. Gotta be nice. Gotta keep up a good reputation. <laughs> Yeah. So as a minority, um, did you feel welcomed in Yellowknife? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't really feel like a difference. Like, eh. I mean, of course, there is there is one, <laughs> there is this one thing <laughs> that uh, Toronto yeah. is more diverse, but it doesn't mean that Yellowknife does not welcome minorities. I'm like not the only person from a minority. There are there are others like you know it's good to know, but there are others from the same minority oh, or other good. minorities yeah. too. So it is not really uncommon. I would say for a small community, Yellowknife is very diverse. So do most people um, who live in Yellowknife are they born there or are they there because of a job like you? Uh, you will find uh, many of the people who were actually like are here because of a job and that there there are there are there are people who were here <laughs> who first moved because of a job and then they ended to be in Yellowknife for like 30 years uh <laughs> there are people like this and also there are like though, though like there will be a generation that's born in Yellowknife and also um don't forget that we are on indigenous land so there are many uh, indigenous uh, people in Yellowknife too and so they are like this is their home they are either born in Yellowknife or born in the co- northwestern communities and then later on moved to Yellowknife uh, when they were when they were older like as like growing up then moving to Yellowknife because there are more opp- there are more opportunities than in in a smaller community. So what are the top industries in Yellowknife that draws people there for work? In the past, there were gold mines, um, and still, uh, residents of Yellowknife they su- they suffer from the mm. uh, pollution uh, that was caused uh, due to mining, mm-hmm. gold mining in specific. And um, there are still there are some lakes that are uh, poisoned by high levels of arsenic. So it's an issue that 
the people here still they they are they are still going through. Uh, initially, uh, there there were so many people who were attracted to Yellowknife, uh, because of the gold mining. Right now, mm-hmm. it's diamond. Uh, it's diamond mining that I believe is being done in an environmentally responsible way in the Northwest Territories, not in Yellowknife. Uh, but many, uh, many who work in the in the in the mines, they are like, they also live in Yellowknife too. Like they would go for some time and then they would have a break in Yellowknife and then go back to the mine. For example, mm-hmm. this is one example. Uh, Pre-COVID, and I hope that we go back to normal uh, very soon, <laughs> but pre-COVID, tourism uh, is like a main source of attraction and mm-hmm. also income uh, to the city. Uh, many tourists, they come from all over, I would say all over the world um, to, uh, to see the Northern Lights because that's a very beautiful, <laughs> very beautiful phenomena. And it's not, be, before before COVID, it is not uncommon to actually, um, especially when it's mm-hmm. not as cold. Like in March, it's not as cold. Um, and in November, it's not as cold. It is not uncommon to see like Yellowknife filled with tourists, just wow. tourists. Uh, sad, like sadly, the situation isn't... Uh, isn't the same right now. I my my heart goes out to to the businesses who are like who lost due to that because um, it was their mm-hmm. livelihood. So has the tourism industry shrunk a lot since COVID began? Yeah, I I I can't speak of numbers. Like I don't know. I haven't really done the research, but of course, like, of course, like we are don't um, as to the best of my knowledge, like. Um, a person cannot really travel to Yellowknife at the moment if they are not residents of Northwest oh. Territories or do you, or for compassionate reasons like attending a funeral or, or like, you know, or some, some family reason or uh, some family reunion. I know my parents came to visit, so that, that would be okay. Essential workers can come in. Someone got a job, they can come to uh, but other than that, no, you can't, even within Canada, like, you know, you can't just like come in because you want to see the Northern Lights. Now, if we're talking about tourists within Canada, they can't come you to Yellowknife. Imagine also the tourists who we have like, you know, Yellowknife lost, uh, like from other parts of the world. Many times I have met uh, tourists, for example, from Japan. Like I heard about the Northern Lights. I know about that because I've seen some really beautiful pictures from your uh, Facebook posts when you first got there and saw the Northern Lights. But there's also this event that I saw um, that's uh, happens every winter. It's called the Snow King's Winter Festival. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's a really fun event. <laughs> so there is a Snow <laughs> <Okay>. King. <laughs> and I don't know if like I can actually Google it now, but this person it has been more than 20 years like since the first time he actually got like you know like i'm going to build a castle uh so the there is a castle so vol- like uh, volunteers and people who work uh to build it a they castle work made of hard snow. to have this castle on ice oh yes made of snow on the lake so you actually yeah you're you'll be on the frozen lake and there will be a castle, and in the castle there would be an area, you know, for slides and kids and adults too, like sliding, uh, things like that. But also the castle, 
um, would host some concerts, uh, film like a film festival too. So there would be events in like within the castle too, and uh, it's it's during March because this is the time when it is still cold enough to for the castle to hold and not melt. Uh, but at the same time, it is warm enough for people to be able to enjoy <laughs> uh, their time uh, outside. So, yeah, I, I said that minus 20 is bearable. So <laughs> we can live with that. Is it like the size of an actual, okay, maybe not the size of an actual castle, but like it's pretty big to hold like maybe 100 <laughs> people? I would say could be, yeah. Like I'm not sure with the COVID restrictions, how many people are allowed to be in. I've been to a concert and I've uh, like in the castle before COVID and also uh, during, for example, the um, film festival, uh, like there was like a large, like huge screen and there would be like some seatings, mm -hmm. uh, seating available for people. Well, it's cold, still cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you get to be dressed warm. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice. There. Is it free to go in or just to see the castle? Usually it's like the first day would be free, but then the other days would be events and like, you know, concerts and stuff, other stuff happening. Mm -hmm. uh, so there would be tickets. I'm not sure how or what to expect this year. Mm -hmm. But yes, last year was good too. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's. I look forward uh, to the Snow King. I I know my my dad really likes uh, likes this festival. Yeah. And he's going to visit me this March. Oh. Just for the Snow King castle, <laughs> like just for the Snow King castle. Yeah. Really, it's not like he wants to see me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just for that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So I know that you've also tried whale blubber. No. You tried, you tried whale meat for sure, right? No, no, no. I haven't. No. I'm not that adventurous. I, I, I've no. seen some <laughs> posts um, from you on Facebook of you trying like some oh. whale meat. I, I swear to God. Oh, oh, oh was no. it somebody else? Uh, 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 yeah. Could be somebody else or could be me sharing uh, photos of people from Nunavut. I have not tried whale meat. No, no but, but that is something <laughs> that um, people like indigenous communities actually do, right? They do eat whale meat. Uh, not not uh, common. Of course, not common in Yellowknife, mm -hmm. for sure, because we are like surrounded by lakes and there are no yeah. whales. Uh, so that's... Uh, but maybe maybe people by the ocean, uh, if they can catch a whale. And uh, like it's it's going to be only for... Because this is traditional food and this is... This is if there is whale harvesting, then this is for the community to have the nutrition that they need. And also it's it's harder to get groceries like up there when it's like in other in remote places. So we don't get whale. Like they're like if you if you're there and if you're there and they happen to harvest a whale, I'm sure that they will be very generous <laughs> and they will share it. Yeah, but it's not something that they would offer <laughs> at restaurants, right? Because it's something that that's oh, only no. I guess um, indigenous communities do because that's they're still hunter to this day. That's that, yes. that's their way of life, right? Yeah. Okay. So you haven't tried it, but is there like something really adventurous in like the northern cuisines that you have tried? Uh, I, no, I'm, I'm not very, like, I'm not very adventurous when it comes to food. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to disappoint you. However, no, but, however. but you can tell me, are, are there adventurous dishes that, that is available I, in is, restaurants? <laughs> there are no adventurous 
adventurous dishes available in restaurants. Uh, except, like, I mean, could be maybe for a southerner, like, you know, you won't be fighting caribou meat or moose meat. And I, I also don't, I don't, I'm not, uh, I don't eat lots of meat. <laughs> But I would see it at the menu, uh, and they they are available not in all restaurants, and like they come in seasons, uh, so that it, there is a possibility. I know for sure there is one restaurant that they have it on the menu, but then whatever, like if I'm around like friends, like you know, and then they want to order caribou, and they were like, "Sorry, we don't have it," and so I don't know when do they have it because every time I I don't see it. I see. Uh, but in Iqaluit. And Iqaluit too, I would say I've traveled to Iqaluit. And if you ask me what is the most adventurous, and I don't, I feel like, I feel I don't really want to say that this is the most adventurous. <laughs> Because for many people who live there, born and raised there, um, Inuit indigenous people, this is the way of life. And it's a very, it's very healthy, just the way it's healthy. It's not in factory. The animal was not like, was hunted. So had really good mm -hmm. life. Uh, so it's the most humane way of living, I would, I would, mm -hmm. I would say. Uh, but for me, it was the first time. Uh, so in <laughs> to see this, uh, in the, um, in last December, uh, I was in Iqaluit, and uh, and I actually uh, saw uh, witnessed a seal being butchered. And I, I, I didn't try the seal, but uh, like it was the first time, like see, like you know seeing this and it was at a food center um so it was more food center what i mean more like um more like a food bank so it was also a way to promote the traditional life uh um there and encourage traditional food because it's very like it's it's healthier than the processed yeah, food for sure. <laughs> yeah i'm just curious because you know one thing that i wanted to ask you about uh you know with regard to life up north is the indigenous communities up there like i know that um you know indigenous peoples make up the largest proportion of the population in northern canada and according to my research they represent four-fifths of nunavut's population a quarter of Yukon Territory's population and half of Northwest Territory's population. Can you tell me a little bit more about their lifestyle? I mean, we just talked about, you know, the, the foods that they eat. Um, what else? I mean, do they live uh, in near downtown areas or do they have their own little communities um, out in more remote areas? Uh, so, like in Yellowknife, I would say lifestyle because it's a, it's a city. I, I can't really say that it is very different. Uh, you would see more differences or more traditional way of living when you go to other remote areas. I travel in my like your like my my job, but uh, to also to the capital cities like Iqaluit and Whitehorse. But I I meet indigenous uh, people very mm -hmm. often, um, whether they are friends or co-workers or people or acquaintances or people who I work with uh, during campaigns uh, for like for the union or like or just like you know people people who I meet <laughs> too um, and it's a very enriching like for me like very enriching experience uh, because you talk about different la like other languages too there are there are uh, like you know indigenous languages there are indigenous languages in Uh, the Northwest Territories. Uh, in Iqaluit, uh, Inuktitut is an official mm -hmm. language. Uh, 
and there are indigenous languages in uh in the Yukon uh mm-hmm. too. So I I am aware I would I would say for someone who is just like traveling like not really from Iqaluit it's easier for them to to see the indigenous way of life or the traditional food more than Yellowknife. The the seal like you know seeing like the seal like this is what like I that was in Iqaluit. Uh in Yellowknife you have to travel to other communities in order to to learn what have you gathered or what have you learned about um the indigenous people's culture and way of life from just interacting with some coworkers or friends well i really what i really like and um it is something to reflect on um the how to live off the land how to appreciate land how to uh be be really gentle with our environment um but yet be very grateful for what the land offers uh that's something that's just very very precious like it's priceless like really i am also very grateful that that indigenous people in yellowknife they always share their their culture there is always an indigenous opening uh, during events so this is also a learning experience like i most events that i go to that are big events there would be an indigenous elder opening the event so this is also an um, opportunity uh, to learn um, um, also like you know uh, grateful to all of the indigenous uh, artists that that live live in the community like you know they are very generous uh, sharing their their, their art and also that's like their story and way of life but there's always way to learn it's a very important topic because we talk about uh, truth and reconciliation and there isn't enough work being done and there has to be more effort uh for healing for mm-hmm. healing to to actually happen um there's to be more conversations and it's not like you know we don't have to expect and like i always like we don't have to expect only indigenous people opening the events but then also going and asking for guidance how this how to do this how to do that is this the way mm-hmm. in terms of you know we were talking about truth and reconciliation um are there uh, challenges unique to northern indigenous communities that you think maybe the government uh really should be looking into and addressing like clean drinking water is an issue that's been talked about forever but um i think that's something that's very common in a lot of indigenous communities well, yeah, it, it's it's common too in Nunavut, but for different reasons. Uh, it's more common, I would say, in Ontario, right? In indigenous communities in Ontario. Uh, the issues are similar and different at the same time. I know when I was in Toronto, it's not like I did not know that there, there were residential schools, but they were out of sight. So, you know, I... I just like, well, this that's an issue that we could work on, you know. I know that there was an injustice, but this is an issue that we could work on. But at the moment, I live in a place where it's few kilometers away from an, an mm. residential school site that was, I think it was shut like in 1996 or like yeah. very recent. Like imagine I was somewhere, <laughs> I was somewhere yeah. in a school and someone else was in a residential school 
And right now I live like not really far uh, from the place. So it's, it's an issue that you can't really turn a blind eye to. And it is, uh, it is an international, like intergenerational, um, there is intergenerational trauma and how to address that. I personally think it's whatever is being done is not enough. It's not only governments, but I guess it's not only the, the, the responsibility of the government by governments, I mean, federal, territorial and city governments to address those issues, but also individuals, you know, people who are not from this, like who are not from the North, all of the people who come here for jobs, they need, they need to take also responsibility and just know and admit and say that they are on indigenous land. For sure. Like it really hits home when you live that close to everything that we're talking about, right? Like it doesn't feel that real back here in Toronto because you just don't see it. Yeah, it's not. And I, there is no food insecurity in Yellowknife, but there are food insecurities in the north. Um, you don't really, like in Iqaluit, although it's the capital city of Nunavut, but still there, like the food prices are yeah. really skyrocketing. Um, so yeah, it's not, it's not drinking water, but then that's like, you know, food is like an essential, <laughs> it's, a, it's an essential thing (laughs) so food i would say food poverty is very common and sometimes like i i even think if it was not if it was not indigenous people would it be different because most of the people who are affected by the food insecurity in the Mm -hmm. north they are the indigenous and most like and that's that's the majority of the population in Nunavut. so nobody is flying in food to help those communities well, there are, uh, well, there is a monopoly. It's it's a very complicated issue <laughs> that I don't think we can deal with like in, in a few minutes, but uh, the prices are high. Uh, programs seem not really to be working very well. Uh, people like they are, they can't access like healthy food. Sometimes the unhealthy food is like, you know, the cheaper option. If you just like go on Facebook and go like you know search for the groups like many 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 in in Nunavut they actually have a created uh, groups in which they post the prices of milk products that we actually like we use every day and how they are like the prices are so high it's, it's a monopoly too it's not like you have oh we have Loblaws and Walmart and 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 no no it's just like the northern store <laughs> that's operating everything <laughs> yeah so a lot of families are just going starving oh yes yeah oh my goodness I didn't even know this until you told me about it actually so Yellowknife as a whole how has how have the other communities including the indigenous I guess been dealing with the pandemic uh <laughs> I don't know. We have been following uh, rules, I guess. <laughs> yeah. How are you? How are you doing <laughs> since uh, since March? Uh, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not easy for sure. I I have been doing better than many other people. Um, I'm grateful that I could work from home. Uh, that my job was not really uh, affected. That I still can work. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is this is good. I I. I realize that this is a privilege uh, and many people don't have that privilege. 
so for sure, like there are people who are not really doing as well. Uh, mental health is being affected too. And ongoing restrictions. Now it's much, I would say it's much better than what it was. The, some of the restrictions are being lifted, but that's very true. Uh, the other, the other thing, uh, health, healthcare facilities are not as <laughs> as good as they are in the south. So th- there would always be the fear: what if I get sick? Like you know, what would happen? I think this really played this played a major role in having people uh, mm-hmm. panic uh, about the pandemic. Yeah. So you've been staying home a lot. I'm guessing. Uh, I do. I stay home a lot. I am not, uh, well, I, I go to yoga classes too. So yes, I, I know about really that. Stay, I don't <laughs> I stay home all that. the time. <laughs> uh, you gotta but, do something to keep yourself sane. <laughs> uh, I have friends, but I keep my bubble uh, close. Like I don't go, I don't go partying and I guess most, <laughs> most people don't. <laughs> Uh, so I, uh, my bubble, my, I have a bubble of, of, uh, people who are close. Uh, so I try to, uh, be safe. Under normal circumstances, do people in Yellowknife usually go out Friday night after work to socialize at a bar or like a restaurant to catch up? Is that how they socialize there? Uh, before pandemic, I used to, uh, almost every Saturday I would go with my friends for brunches. And that stopped. Uh, right now, I go for brunches like with with one person or two, <laughs> not as regular. Uh, but yes, uh, that's like it's just like the normal of any other place. Like people go out after work uh, during weekends. Yeah, uh, dining in is is back with a proof of vaccination. So I I had a brunch uh, last <laughs> weekend. <laughs> nice. And the place was uh, packed, uh, but packed with social distancing. So it's not like, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, it was really, it was nice to see people. Yeah. <laughs> is it easy making friends in Yellow, Yellow Knife? Uh, yeah, it is easier. Uh, I think because <laughs> everybody's it's, sort of coming from the outside or most people most people do uh, when I first uh, when I first arrived my friends were my co-workers and still still well I have <laughs> I have a friends who are co-workers too uh, but I have more friends whom I don't necessarily like you know share share work space with yeah but but where did you meet them that's what i want to know like how do you how do you even encounter people and make friends with them well it was much easier before the pandemic because normally like a person might go to an event and then meet like you know then this is a shared interest so then you would you would just like be friends like not knowing how like for example i went to um to a walk to the uh, ice cave and then I met someone and then she became my friend later on. Mm-hmm. It's much because there were events. Uh, well, yoga class is one of them. Going to a <laughs> gym. <laughs> well, yeah. that's the other thing about about a small town. Like you would go to the same gym or fitness center uh, every, like, you know, you, you would see the same people like when you were going to the mm-hmm. gym. So... If you want to make a friends, you might be able to make <laughs> friends 
there. I know uh, I'm a member of the Rotary Club, and that's how I actually make friends in, in most of the places that I travel to, <laughs> because all it takes is attend <laughs> attend a meeting, and then here you go. You have you have some friends, and we meet every every week. Oh, that's nice. I think the Rotary Club is known for. Helping out communities, working on community projects. Are there any community projects that you've been involved in that you you want to share? Our club actually built a bridge. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bridge so, connecting where and where? <laughs> uh, there is a cemetery. Um, that's a historic cemetery in uh, in Yellowknife. That's on the Back Bay, which is Back Bay is great. Like it's it's on the Great Slave Lake. Mm-hmm. And it's very challenging for uh, for people to go to the cemetery uh, mm-hmm. if they are not using the boat or like if it's not ice and then they can't walk on the ice. So mm-hmm. our, our club built a bridge. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. So how big is your club? Oh, no, we are... Uh... <laughs> It's not a big club, but we are mighty <laughs> around <laughs> around twenty two members. What else do we do? Um. Oh, we we cook. Uh, there is something called lunch for a bunch, and so we do the cooking. Uh. Also, uh, there is an animal soup kitchen. I'm on, but the bridge is the bridge was the biggest project that I have witnessed. <laughs> <laughs> So you've been enjoying your time there in Yellowknife. Um, do you plan to stay there for the long term? I don't know. Uh, I uh, I enjoy my time in Yellowknife, but Sissy, yeah. you know me. <laughs> I like traveling too. <laughs> so yeah. I don't really have an answer. Uh, but I'm not. I would. My answer would be I am not keen on leaving Yellowknife. I like the place. Yeah. You will uh, miss it if you do leave, though, right? Yes, I will for sure. I don't have any short uh, any short term plans of moving out, uh, mm-hmm. but my answer might be different <laughs> yeah. later on. But it is not because I don't like the place. I love this place. All right, thank you so much, user, for taking the time to talk to me and for taking us on such a lovely trip to northern Canada. Thank you, Cici, and I hope to see you in Yellowknife. Yusser Albarani is a communication specialist based in Yellowknife, Canada's Northwest Territories. If you like what you just heard, please do subscribe to my podcast and head over to cc-wang.com, that's S-I-S-S-I-W-A-N-G.com, for more interviews like this one, plus read about the guests you just heard and see pictures from the interviews. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. Until next time.